there's a new potato that was introduced a few years ago that they introduced a gene that silences the gene in the potato that produces the protein that turns the potato brown when cut or bruised. And so you can slice the potato and it'll stay white or whatever the color is. Now, to give you an idea of how dangerous this is, the developer of the potato for the potato company, J.R. Simplot, who had previously worked on potatoes for Monsanto, wrote a book while he was in retirement that said, uh, Pandora's potato, the worst GMO. He had been doing some research on what could go wrong and realized that his potato could kill people, hmm. cause disease, and no one would know. And in a page after page after page, he wrote all these ways in which his own genetically engineered potato could be a disaster. Welcome to Your Body's Way, a podcast for all of you health conscious humans out there who want to nourish, move and take care of your body your way. Not the diet book's way or even my way. Your journey to find your body's way through all of the noise and nonsense starts right here, where I'll be presenting and breaking down all of the current popular health practices so you can make intelligent choices that work for you and you alone. You know what they say, if the shoe fits. So I encourage you to take on what sounds tempting and to reject what doesn't. So let's dive into your journey to becoming the person you know you can be. You're listening to Your Body's Way and I'm Tamara Walpole, your host. Today I have a really special guest. His name is Jeffrey Smith. Now, if you have any interest in the topic of GMOs, genetically modified organisms, GM foods, if you have any interest in the dangers um, and the risks that are at stake for ourselves, our families and our planet, then you've probably already heard of his absolute classic book, Seeds of Deception. Now I have, I had no idea that it's actually this month, um, the 20th anniversary of its release. So I'm really happy that the timing was just so synchronistic and perfect for this interview with Jeffrey. The information in this episode is really, really important. And it's something that, um, I feel quite passionately about and anybody who listens to this um, you may feel the same by the time you're done because GMOs are one of the biggest risks that we have to face when it comes to our food supply it's um, it's been kind of marketed and, and explained by you know big biotech companies that um, GMO foods are predictable they're safe um, they're natural and they are precise. But from this conversation, what you'll learn is those four things are absolutely untrue. And it's an absolute outrage, really, that it's allowed to go on 
um, to you know big corp- government corporations, especially in the US, um, such as the USDA, who buy into that and think, okay, so we don't need to regulate GMOs um, because they are these four things, precise, safe, predictable, and natural. So it's a really important conversation. We discuss things like, first of all, what are GMOs? Um, what is gene editing? How are genes edited? Um, what diseases are caused by these foods? And um, a little spoiler here, pretty much everything you can think of can be caused by GMOs. Um, and then we obviously finish with how we can help. Now, I, I don't want this episode to be a, to be um, to, to cause fear um, or to you know, make anyone feel uncomfortable with, you know, oh, this is another thing we have to worry about because we have enough to worry about, don't we? So I don't want this episode to be like that, but what I want it to be is an opportunity to just have an idea of what's happening at the moment, and which is nothing short of a war when it comes to the food industry, which we don't see unless you look for it. So um, this is a really important episode and I learned so much from Jeffrey. He, he's so passionate and um, he really knows his stuff. He's been doing it for, gosh, I think nearly 30 years. So um, there's so much to learn here. So without further ado, here is Jeffrey Smith. This is an absolute honor to have you on this podcast. And I've just been explaining to you how um, how perfect you are for um, for this stage in the podcast because not only have we been talking about nutrition, we've been talking about fitness and foods to eat, exercises to do, but we've also been venturing down some um, really important topics about um, you know regenerative farming and the dangers of seed oils. And I think the topic we're going to talk about today is um, genetically modified organisms or G- GM foods. And I think it is one of the most important topics that we're probably going to discuss to date on this podcast. So I can't think of anyone better than yourself to be having this conversation with because you are the leader in the fight against GMO uh, foods in our food system. So first of all, Jeffrey Smith, welcome. How are you doing over there? Thank you. Great. Really good. Thank you for having me. Fabulous. Um, so to get started, there's so many things I want to talk about. I wish you could see my screen because I've got so many questions. <laughs> I hope we get to go through them all. Um, but I want during this podcast, I want to talk about, you know, what is GM foods? Um, what it means to gene edit, like what's actually happening in the genes, what the dangers are and what the risks are if GM foods um, get out of control in like going forwards. Um, so so much to talk about. But first of all, I wanted to start off with um, a kind of list of accolades, really, because that's all I can call it. It's it's a list. And um, I just want to kind of go through it because I just find it so interesting. Um, so correct me if any of these are wrong. So you're an ex-politician. Um, um, let's you see. If okay. you're looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> I um, am. Monsanto yes. wrote that. Apologies. No, it's okay. See, what Apologies. happens is people don't realize that, you know, as an activist, you get corporations that invest a lot of money to try and discredit you. And so 
They've spent millions because I've been very effective in dismantling their plans to genetically engineer 100% mm -hmm. of all commercial seeds and patent them by this time. And so they've, they hire pseudoscientists and investigators and others. And one of the things they do is hire PR companies to then capture your Wikipedia. So you can't make any changes. They put all these different editors that are paid by Monsanto essentially to create things. So all the links that it goes to are their anti-Jeffrey Smith stuff. And they're uh, like, they created a whole major website against my second book, Genetic Roulette. I invited them to give me all of the responses to Genetic Roulette because I completely undermine the safety of GMOs with all the known health risks and 1100 endnotes. And it was it became the Bible of the GMO campaigner. It was used in, in academia and PhD programs and whatnot. And instead of giving me their responses, they created an entirely new website, misquoted and misrepresented the book and then fought their own arguments. So they're devious. They're devious. And so I ran for uh, US Congress once to raise the public awareness of, of GMOs, but they put ex-politician because politicians are not trusted. But I was, I was running for office in order to get the information out. Oh my Let gosh. me, I have an idea of how, to, how, to, how we can start that would be interesting and not part of your questions. Okay. It's like people are wondering, well, do I already know about GMOs? I'm not into them. Is this really relevant? Well, what happens in my talks, there's a certain point where the jaw drops and people realize I had no idea. I had no idea that GMOs and Roundup were so dangerous and were causing such health issues, including potentially my health issues. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to do is to start by sharing my screen and those who are uh, on audio, we can tell them what we're looking at. Absolutely, this sounds good. But there's um, a bunch of diseases which show up over and over again related to GMOs and the Roundup sprayed on them. I'll explain the, the relationship of that in a moment, Roundup and GMOs. And these diseases are rising in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup in our food supply. And that's correlation, so you can't prove causation. But the animal feeding studies of animals that are force-fed GMOs or Roundup show these diseases or their precursors. These people who get off of GMOs and Roundup by switching to organic, they get better from these diseases. Same with pets and livestock. And we can see the modes of action now of GMOs and Roundup linking them to these diseases. So what I want to do is I want to show the correlation charts, the amount of increase of these diseases, which is substantial in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. So just when they were introduced in 1996, it was harvested at the end of the year. We started consuming it largely in 1977. The percentage increased year after year, and these diseases started to take off right in parallel. And so, like I said, these are correlational. They don't prove causation on their own. But when you look at the animal feeding studies, the clinical experience, the modes of action and all this, we believe that this is actually showing causation and the list of diseases is breathtaking. So right now on the screen, I'm sharing 
inflammatory bowel disease shooting up in the United States. And it's linked to, you could see a line of the amount of glyphosate, which is the chief poison in Roundup, applied to corn and soy. Now, why is that relevant? Because the main GMOs in the world are called Roundup Ready. Roundup Ready, soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa. Right. All originally introduced by Monsanto, which is now purchased by Bayer. Mm-hmm. Designed not to die when sprayed with Roundup herbicide. So the the there's a genetic change in the crops. Yep. There's Roundup applied, and it gets absorbed into the crop, into the food. We eat it, and Roundup is very dangerous, and GMOs are very dangerous. And there's also some crops that are engineered to produce their own insecticide, which pokes holes in the guts of insects to kill them. That's dangerous. So now we're going to look at, I'm just going to flip through about 40 charts in 90 seconds or two minutes, very quickly. And I'm just going to name the diseases. So for those listening, I'm just telling you the diseases that are linked closely with GMOs and Roundup. And for those who are watching, you will see the the incredible correlation slope. Yeah, very, very close. Yes. So here we have deaths from obesity. Here we have it also plotted against the percentage of GMOs and Roundup. And there's also a trend line Mm -hmm. prior to 1993, which means if nothing else happened, this is where deaths from obesity were. And it went up way higher than that. Okay, now this is anxiety, Mm. diabetes, deaths from Alzheimer's, deaths from Parkinson's, deaths from hypertension, autism in six-year-olds, insomnia, celiac disease. Yes, I can see. Acute kidney injury, death from kidney failure, kidney and pelvic cancer, liver cancer, liver and bile duct cancer, thyroid cancer, deaths from leukemia, breast cancer, deaths from intestinal infection, deaths from lipoprotein metabolism disorder, peritonitis, hepatitis C, dementia, deaths from senile dementia, ADHD, schizophrenia, suicide by overdose, congenital birth defects, congenital heart defects, newborn metabolic disorders, newborn genital urinary disorders, skin disorders, lung conditions for newborns, newborn eye disorders, newborn blood disorders, anemia, lymph disorders, deaths due to stroke. And I also have a list of 28 different conditions Mm. that people reported getting better from when they switched to non-GMO and largely organic diets. Digestive problems is always the number one reported benefit. In our survey of 3,256 people, 85% reported benefits from digestion, then fatigue, then overweight or obesity, then brain fog, anxiety, depression, food allergies and sensitivities were still above 50% reporting. Mm-hmm. Memory concentration, joint pain, seasonal allergies, gluten sensitivity, insomnia, skin conditions, uh, hormonal problems, pain, autoimmune disease, uh, high blood pressure, asthma, menstrual problems, diabetes, underweight, cancer, kidney, infertility, autism, Alzheimer's, and, and Parkinson's. Many of these align with the, the charts we already saw. These are individual reports, what got better in you or your patients, Mm-hmm. when you switch to non-GMO and largely organic food. 
I mean, and these are lastly, common complaints that you get from yeah, pretty much everyone. Yeah, yeah. We, exactly. all have, we all have something from that list. And like, in secretingredientsfilm.com, you can yes. watch the film Secret Ingredients, where we put it all together with people who switch to organic, get better, autistic kids, autistic kids are no longer on the spectrum, infertile couples have kids, all these things. The doctors explain these are typical in their practice when they change the diet. The scientists explain why, and it's a place where you can look at all of this in one place. So that was the the visuals I wanted to share, which now, you know, like there's some skepticism, like how is it possible that GMOs and Roundup are related to so many things? And we can talk about that. And the case is overwhelming. Right. And you can look at specific problems, something like insomnia. So insomnia shot up. So did just general sleep disorders. I didn't put that slide up. Now, insomnia is often a problem of melatonin, which governs the circadian rhythms. Melatonin is converted from serotonin. Serotonin is produced from L-tryptophan in the gut. L-tryptophan is produced by the gut bacteria using something called the shikimate pathway. The shikimate pathway is blocked by glyphosate. So that's a perfect line. Now, if you have no serot if you have less serotonin, and it would also be less dopamine because that's also produced from the shikimate pathway producing tyrosine so it doesn't matter these 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 numbers you understand them and not everyone has to it means you don't have the happy chemicals the serotonin and the dopamine right. so now you yeah. can have anxiety and depression and right. and other things that are, are explained then if you look at the world health organization they describe glyphosate as a class 2a carcinogen all those cancers where are those cancers from that's where glyphosate accumulates in the body to cause these problems when you when you look at fatigue glyphosate damages the mitochondria which is the energy centers so then you have fatigue people talk about brain fog similar it turns out that people can break their brain fog in two three days on an organic diet and it's like they wake up for the first time wow we could talk about the modes of action for infertility how in the by the third generation hamsters that were fed GMOs, most couldn't have children, most were infertile. By the rats, the second generation, they also mostly were infertile when they were fed on GM soy. Yeah. So you have the, G the GMO, you have the Roundup, you have the BT toxin. So we can break it down, we can talk about, again, the animal feeding studies, the modes of action, and the reports that you saw in terms of the 3,256 why did we ask those 28 different conditions? Because I had asked at 150 lectures, what did people get better from? And they raised their hand and they said, and I wrote them down and those were the same ones. And the number one condition that was always the highest was digestion. Mm -hmm. So when I published this in a peer reviewed uh, way to the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine, I described all the ways that GMOs Roundup and BT toxin could damage digestion because it was always the number one. It's a long list. Leaky gut, damage to the microvilli, uh, changes in the gut microbiome, suppression of digestive enzymes, uh, potentially precancerous cell growth in the digestive tract. All these things shown in animal feeding studies that we may be getting in our bodies. Yes. Causing these digestive problems. And of course, digestive problems leads to everything else. Leaky gut leads to everything else. Get damage to the gut bacteria leads to everything else. Damage to the mitochondria leads to half these things. Inability to absorb minerals because they're bound up by glyphosate, which is a chelator, leads to all these diseases. And we and Americans eat their weight more than their weight 
in GMOs every year. So it is no wonder. And then you look at the neurotransmitters and the, uh, and the hormones and the uh, reproductive system. It's all there. All the foundations of health are being yes. clobbered by our food that's genetically engineered and or sprayed with Roundup. And right. just as another piece, yes. Roundup is not just sprayed on the GMOs, but it's also sprayed on the grains and the beans just before harvest. It basically kills them, but it rapid, it speeds up the, the, the ripening, it dries them off, it kills the weeds for next year. And so oats, which are not genetically engineered, are floating in glyphosate. So the Cheerios that we give our kids, the granola, don't, unless it's organic. You get hummus, you think it's healthy, but it's full of chickpeas that have been sprayed with Roundup. Don't. The mung beans, the lentils, wheat is sprayed with Roundup unless it's organic. So there's a strong, strong message here, which we'll say right at the top here, eat organic, see what happens. But don't just do it haphazardly. Write down in a spreadsheet every single, along the column, the first column, every single disease or disorder that you suffer from, one to 10. At the top of that, put your energy level. Above that, put your mood. Above that, put the percentage of organic that day. And then every day is a different column and see what happens. You may be doing because you know now that, that obesity or, gain, or weight gain was, was very connected to GMOs and Roundup, and that may be your thing. But then you realize, oh my God, my acne went away or my PMS went away or something else, and you're not even tracking it. And unless you write it down, you won't know. Right. So in the film Secret Ingredients, some doctors were praising the joy of their, their patients that made the switch and their joint pain, weight pain went away and their autoimmune disease went away and then they cheated and it came back. And right. that's when it convinced them that they had to be committed to a diet free of these toxins because it wasn't until they cheated and realized just how quickly the old problems came back that they they uh, attributed the diet to the to the fixing because the doctors may have been doing other things giving supplements and whatnot but the food is the primary driver of a lot of people's conditions right and um, i can see why you would rather start that way because you're right a lot of us um, don't consider gmos or glyphosate as part of our health problem we might think oh you know maybe it's the sugar i'm eating maybe it's the fact that i'm sedentary and we blame it on a lot of things which which what which absolutely could be part of the problem but what we don't consider are gmos and glyphosate we just don't even think about it i mean i'll be completely honest um you know before I mean, I've had your book, Seeds of Deception, so I've got it here. If anyone's um, listening, I'm, I'm kind of holding it up. It's an absolute classic. Um, I think it's from 2003 or 2004. 2003, and you have the UK version. There's the about UK, 25 yes. versions, and I'm looking at it goes, <laughs> that looks like Green Book out of UK. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's an absolute classic, an, an absolute juggernaut when it came out, and also for years and years after that. And um, I, I purchased this a long time ago, you know, pretty much close to, I think it was about 2009. And um, I, I was aware of it even back then of your message. But, you know, as, as time goes on, I, I sort of brushed over it even myself. And it's only recently when I was like, right, I'm talking to Jeffrey Smith. Let's get back on this and let's start researching it. And the absolute outrage that I felt came bubbling up again. And I was like, oh, my God, like, could could just going organic 
just answer so many um, health problems that we have. And I, I'm so glad you started out that way rather than going through all your accolades, which by the way, um, <laughs> you've done a lot. I, I think anyone, if anyone goes to the Institute of Responsible Technology website, I think that's probably the best bio for you then in that case. Yeah, responsibletechnology.org. Yes, responsible yes. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Um, and I've seen Secret Ingredients. It's a fabulous documentary, really emotional, tearjerker, um, seeing families who uh, that their, their children and you know family members have, have struggled with health issues and have come out the other end just by changing to organic food. Um, it's such an emotional topic. So I think what I wanted to, the first question I have for you, and we have so much to cover, but it's safe to say that you, Jeffrey, have dedicated your life to speaking out against GMOs. I find your path really fascinating and quite frankly, unrelenting. Um, so my first question is, why do you do this? What is driving you to do this? Well, you know, I started 27 years ago and I have spoken in 45 countries and did five movies and two books and trained speakers, thousands, and organized that. Um, and it's been full on, but it's working. I mean, if I'm just doing it and it's not getting anywhere. So what happened was I learned about it from a, a, a kind of a scientist whistleblower um, who's saying, this technology is way full of side effects. There's no way that Monsanto or anyone could claim that their GMO foods are safe because the nature of genetic engineering is that it causes massive collateral damage in the DNA. Mutations up and down, epigenetic effects, higher levels of toxins or allergens, new toxins or allergens, changes in nutritional value. And so they were genetically engineering staple foods, corn and soy that are derived, their derivatives are used everywhere. And they could not even monitor the safety of the population and no one was. There was also no safety studies. We learned that the person in charge of policy at the Food and Drug Administration was Monsanto's former attorney and later Monsanto's vice president. And his policy completely contradicted the recommendations of the scientists who were very nervous and worried about the toxins and allergens and whatnot. And he said, we don't see any difference. No testing necessary, no labeling necessary. You can put GMOs in the market without even telling the government. And if you do tell the FDA, we have a voluntary consultation process, which turns out into a meaningless, meaningless exercise. At the end of a short period, they write a letter to Monsanto saying, this is to verify that it's your responsibility to determine that the foods are safe. And we have no questions for you. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. So um, we have a situation where Everyone who eats can be affected, but moreover, once you release them into the environment, it contaminates the gene pool. Yes. So all of the corn for the foreseeable infinite future, all of the soy will have at least some level of contamination from what we did in this generation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it can affect the entire ecosystem, everyone who eats with the technology that's prone to side effects and driven by a company that's been since described as the most evil company or the most hated company almost every year in the polls until they change their name to Bear. And right, so Monsanto are now Bear. Yeah, yeah, now to okay. hide under aspirin. Right. So 
it turns out it was an A plus issue. And I will say as a preview to what we're going to talk about a little later in the podcast, mm -hmm. it's worse than it was before because of the gene editing like CRISPR, where you can become a genetic engineer and buy a lab for less than $2,000 and the deregulation- on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon and whatnot, or or that's like the this kit, which gives you like five things to, and then once I put out my 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 video saying you could buy it on Amazon, Amazon took it down. I don't know if it was in relationship to what I said in my film, uh, don't let the gene out of the bottle, but you can still buy a CRISPR kit for less than $2,000. It's being equipped in high schools. And what it means is that everything with DNA is being targeted. Nothing is off limits. There's hardly any government oversight to stop it. You can introduce gene-edited GMOs into the food supply. You can introduce it new organisms into insects and trees and, and animals. And the most dangerous, and we'll get into this a little bit later, is genetically engineering microbes, which turn out to be the most common organisms that are genetically engineered. Can I, can I just quickly students... ask, has that happened yet? Or is oh, that yeah. literally a risk? Oh, it's, it's happening now. Oh yeah, in fact, in fact, there's different ways that the microbes introduce. There's student experiments, which are going on right now. There's tens of thousands of, of peer-reviewed published articles about academia doing research on microbes. Mm -hmm. But then there's way more of just students doing them without proper disposal and protection so the high schools that it's yeah. done and then there's you know there's the factories that use genetically engineered microbes to produce synthetic biology products they escape probably all the time mm. and then there's the intentional release of genetically engineered uh, microbes used for seed treatment on as much as 40 million acres right now um, as soil uh, inoculants which is as much as three million acres three million acres with five trillion microbes per acre i haven't done the math of three million times five trillion because i don't know how to what to describe that you know gazillion or whatever but it's big um and so the number of the number of microbes released on a half an acre is more than the total number of genetically engineered corn plants out there which is about three trillion so we have a situation where we've given the keys to the kingdoms to everyone. We've reached this time where we can redirect the streams of evolution for all time, ending biological evolution as we know it, changing the food supply, foisting a new set of organisms on all future generations that we can't recall, prone to side effects. I mean, CRISPR is so prone to side effects, the journal Nature described its outcome as chromosomal mayhem. And we have a situation where this is perhaps a higher priority than anything on the planet. Correct. Because, you know, there's this big movement now to stop the gain of function of potentially pandemic pathogens. Mm -hmm. Because if you create another infectious disease, you can create a pandemic. But the people calling for that don't realize that common everyday microbes can create catastrophes or cataclysms. And in the film, 60-minute film called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle, we talk about a microbe which, had it been released as planned, could have theoretically ended terrestrial plant life. Another one that could have altered weather patterns. 
just common everyday microbes that have been changed in what they do if it survived and if it outcompeted its natural parent and it had and had done what it was genetically engineered to do it could have disrupted microbiome ecosystems that were essential for life on earth and when you think about the human microbiome which i'm sure you've covered a slight change can lead to up to 80 percent of the diseases anyway we're jumping ahead back to you I just want to quickly cut in here to talk to you about an amazing supplement company, Paleo Valley. And if you're based in the US or Canada, do I have a treat for you. Paleo Valley is a health and socially conscious snack and supplement company making huge waves in the food industry. Autumn Smith is the co-founder and was a fabulous guest on this podcast. You absolutely have to check out the episode to get a feel for her spirit and the absolute quality of Paleo Valley's products. They stock beef, turkey and pork sticks, superfood bars, bone broth protein powder, as well as a range of supplements like grass-fed organ complex and NeuroEffect. I especially love their award-winning beef sticks. Unlike other meat-based snacks, they're 100% grass-fed, sourced from regenerative farms, and don't contain any citric acid, which is damaging for health and is found in the majority of other meat stick snacks. Instead, the snacks are fermented, making them rich in gut-friendly probiotics, not to mention absolutely delicious. I especially love the teriyaki flavour, which is so tasty and a great way to up my protein in between meals. I love to give them to my children, knowing that they're doing so much good for their health and my household is well stocked. So just click the link in the show notes to receive 50% off your next order of beef steaks. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. I've got your attention, um, though. I've got your, you've got my attention. And, and anyone who's listening, um, it's, it's, I'm sure everyone's like, okay, I'm, I'm in. Like, what's this all about? <laughs> um, so I, I think it's important to kind of start at the beginning, um, just Good. so people understand what GMOs actually are. So, I mean, the, first of all, I just want to say from my perspective, there's two things that I find the most alarming about what's happening out there um which by the way is 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 a war <laughs> like if if you're if you're not looking for it you won't see it but if you look for it you'll see that actually um, what's happening with gmos and glyphosate and roundup it's it's a war that's happening and it's big like you said it's probably one of the biggest things that humanity have to face um that's coming up and i completely agree once you look at it you find it everywhere so first of all um there's something that um, um that's stated on the irt um website um biotech giants like monsanto and when i say giants they are giants like billion dollar um companies organizations um, they state that G- GMOs are four things, <laughs> precise, they are predictable, they are safe, and they are natural. And those four things are absolutely false and have been proven to be false over and over again. But because Monsanto, because they, or Bear, because they have so much power and so much money and so much influence, um, th- th- it's not spoken out about. So even the USDA um, actually states that it, GMOs are precise, predictable, safe, and natural, and therefore that's why you know we we are allowing them into the food system without much regulation. So that's the first thing that is quite alarming. And the second thing is just the force at which um, you know 
these companies are forcing their um, GMOs into the food system and how they're just silencing anyone who tries to disprove it. And, and this goes on to basically my first kind of question. And it does track back to seeds of deception because Good. a classic. Let, let's go back. Um, By the way, it's been 20 years. It's my 20th anniversary. Is it? Is it 20 years? Re- released yes, of course. this month 20 years ago. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This has to be like, yeah, the 20-year anniversary episode. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> um, um, so basically, I, I wanted to know, because um, your your book, Seeds of Deception, kicks off with a really interesting story about a scientist, um, God bless him, um, if I can find his name. Arpad Arpad Prutstein, Yes. And how he was silenced because he found that GMOs were actually dangerous, but um, he managed to actually say what he had to say in the end, and that's what kicked off um, the, uh, the 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 awareness of the dangers of GMOs. So, first of all, um, Caesar deception. I just wanted to know for you, how did it come about? And I believe there was a key turning point about tacos. <laughs> Well, yeah, that kicked and off actually, seeds of deception. So tell well, us that story. All right. Well, there's two things. Um, first of all, the story you talked about, Arpad Pustai. Mm. Um, I was um, following the GMO uh, information in newsletters that were coming from Europe um, since 1996 or seven, and I was reading about coverage in Europe but hardly any coverage in the United States. And there was, I was thinking that, all right, if I'm, one of my um, skills is strategic communication. So what do we say to whom to have the biggest impact? And I was looking at all the NGOs and they were talking about the environmental issues or the concentration of corporate power in the seeds or the inability of farmers to save seeds because when they buy a GMO, they're not allowed to save their seeds. And they were focusing on those things. And I was thinking they will argue that for years as the number of GMOs just grows and grows and grows and grows. It didn't feel like a strategic success about to happen. And I, my analysis was we need to reach consumers about the health dangers. And if we can stop the consumers, if we can get even a small percentage of consumers to say, I'm looking for the non-GMO, then just as we see companies will change their marketing, change their ingredients, when just there's a slight change in market share, because GMOs offered no consumer benefit, no one could say, we have even more GMOs now or GMOs to help you do this. It was just farmer benefits of making weeding easier or killing insects and putting the toxins in the food. And there was already an unease about the idea of putting toxins in the food or spraying them with toxins or even changing the DNA. Like they put genes from bacteria into the soy to allow the soy to be sprayed with Roundup and not die. So my attitude was we need to talk about the health dangers. And I listened to, I read some book, I mean, some articles about Dr. Arpad Pustai, who was silenced with threats of a lawsuit unable to talk about his research. There was conflicting information about the research. And eventually he was able to speak by an order of parliament and got his data back. And that changed the debates. Over 700 articles were written in a single month 
on GMOs in Europe, but not in the United States, where it was kind of a, a blackout. And I realized that none of the articles covering it were actually um, giving the details of his research and concern and how he was being treated. It was very superficial. Mm. So I realized I need to go in and tell stories. I need to talk to these people, right? So the whole book is stories. And the first chapter, you know, starts out, Arpad's wife answers the door and reporters are running there for, and we've, we've just, they've just released your husband. They've lifted his gag order. He can talk for seven months. He was unable to speak and it was an intense moment. So I wanted to bring people into, to the, the drama. Mm. And his story is extremely dramatic. What he found was the generic process of genetic engineering, not the particular gene you put in, but the very process of genetic engineering, which can involve shooting a gene into a cell with a gene gun or using a bacteria to smuggle it in and then cloning it into a plant, that that process created massive damage to the rats that he was feeding GMO potatoes potentially precancerous cell growth in the digestive tract, smaller brains, livers, and testicles, partial atrophy of the liver, damaged immune system in just 10 days. And he realized that all of those things were not being evaluated on the actual GMOs being fed to the people, that if those had been, if his potatoes, which cause all those damage, had been subjected to the superficial studies that the industry used to put it on the market, it would have passed with flying colors and fed to everyone. And in the meantime, creating all those things in the population. And it was the same process to create the potatoes that was to create the soy and corn. So the same process could be creating all of these problems. Mm -hmm. So he went public with his concerns, with the support of his director, was on TV for two and a half minutes, was praised by the director who put out a press release, which turned out to be wrong. And then two phone calls from the prime minister's office forwarded to the director, caused Arpad Puste to be fired from his job after 35 years and silenced with threats of a lawsuit. So it has the political intrigue, it has the science in it, and that's how I wrote the book, to weave the science into the stories. Now, I wrote this and published it in 2003. Before that, I had spent two years working at a GMO detection laboratory as vice president of marketing communications, and we have been given from an activist group some corn products to test for the presence of a ingredient that was or type of GMO corn that was not approved by the EPA. In fact, it had been approved by the EPA for animal feed, but not for human consumption, which is like so stupid. It's like, is there anyone with any intelligence that has ever seen how nature works yes. or farming works or elevators collecting corn or the communication that goes to farmers or the levels of, of it's just ridiculous. So it was inevitable that releasing it for animal feed was going to get into the food supply for humans. And we found it and we told um, the client who then announced it and it resulted in a billion dollar recall. Um, every, all the major importers of corn from the U.S. stopped their corn imports. Mm -hmm. 315 products were subject to recall. Starlink corn, which was the, the corn that was unapproved, was found all over the place. And there was this massive attempt to take it out of the food supply. And it's still in the food supply, but in smaller numbers. 
So that was where I ended up on New York Times and in all these different uh, quotes. But I was quoting on behalf of a neutral scientific laboratory that was testing. But while I was there, I was becoming an expert in GMOs and being paid for it. So I realized I needed to write the book on the health dangers. I needed to change the debate into an area that I felt was critical. And the first thing was the health dangers. The second was to discredit the the positions of the FDA and Monsanto who claimed it was safe. That turned out to be really easy. I just had to tell stories of how they were corrupt and covering up and threatening scientists and how they acted and lied and whatnot. That was easy, but that created the outrage that drove the energy around the book that made it the world's best-selling book on GMOs to this date. Because it was like, oh my God, everything we suspected these evil companies are up to is true. And it's it's in our food. Yeah. Um, And and also the story that you just told about how you um, discovered the GMOs that was was kind of spreading across food. Um, I just found it really funny when um, there was this part where um, one of your lab partners or someone um, said to you, they're like, it's in the tacos. <laughs> and, you, yeah, yeah. and you're like, it's in the tacos. And so I said, there's a certain brand of tacos. I, yeah. My first response was, don't tell the client yet. That's it. Yeah. And I, I went up and client. talked to the chief yeah. scientific officer, talked to the CEO and said, we need to be really sure. So yes. they redid it over and over again. Mm-hmm. They took the, the PCR thing and they sequenced it. They made a mistake though. They should have sent it to another lab mm, so that we had two right. labs. Yeah. So we got clobbered for about four days by the biotech industry echo chamber of fighters. You know, they have mm-hmm. this whole program where if they have certain talking points, they send it out to a bunch of pseudoscientists and front organizations and farmer groups that are supported by them. And they all came down and says, this is an activist laboratory. And then they did their own research and went, uh, we found it too. Yeah, so they went quiet after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I learned some things about, uh, you know, like I thought we had done all the protective procedures, Mm. but we still got challenged. It really doesn't matter. You know, we learned in in my writing for these years, it doesn't matter that you have truth and science behind you. Mm -hmm. You're still going to be attacked. Right. And I talk and I interview a lot of whistleblowers and I show a lot of the research that shows that their stuff is dangerous and they still attack. Yeah, that's why they they created a whole website attacking my book, Genetic Roulette, which had 65 health risks of GMOs. And they just they were completely weak on scientific arguments, but they put it out there as if it was true because that's what they do. Yeah. Um, and back to the Arpad Putsai um, story when it comes to the first chapter of your book and about how he was silent so viciously, um, but then he spoke out. What gives me goosebumps is I believe um, Monsanto and one of their speakers said that their plan just before Arpad, Arpad Putsai came out with his discovery, their plan was to make 100% of seeds GMO. And it was only when Arpad Putsai came out with his research that that stopped. So he literally saved the food supply because but if if he didn't do that, the the GMO would be it'd be on stop, it'd be everywhere, like everywhere. Yeah. 100% of the seeds. That gives me goosebumps when I say it because it's just so frightening as to what could have happened. And but but what is still a risk? Like these things that's their intention. 
So, and if it's left, if, if guys like you don't, you know, and, and you know, yeah. people who are volunteering to to stop this, then that they, they could, it could go that way. And that's what scares me the most. And, you know, we did a great job in popularizing the dangers of GMOs, containing the number of commercialized food GMOs to about a dozen. Mm. And the biotech industry got together a number of years ago and said, okay, our number one goal is to introduce new techniques for gene editing and pretend they're not GMOs and convince the governments and consumers that it has nothing to do with GMOs and then eliminate consumer resistance and eliminate government regulation. And they have convinced the US, the US government, the UK government, Canada, India, Australia, Japan, Argentina, Brazil, and others to deregulate gene editing as applied to either plants and or animals and or microbes. Mm -hmm. And what that we talked about this, it means that now they can re put back on the table their plan to genetically engineer 100% of all commercial seeds because they're stealth. Mm -hmm. Because for example, there's a company called Conscious Foods, horrible name because they're a bunch of GMO activists. I mean, I mean, pro GMO uh, uh, Monsanto people, and they're creating salad greens mm. that are genetically engineered through gene editing. There's no requirements for safety testing. They're putting them in through the, the restaurant side. So there's no labeling requirements in the US and, there, and there's no there's no evaluation that it might be creating allergies or toxins. Mm -hmm. No one knows that the mustard greens or other salad greens that they may be eating from this company are any different. Mm -hmm. So if someone has an anaphylactic shock and goes to the hospital or dies or someone develops another problem, oh, there's a deer right outside, oh, <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or, or there's another problem, they won't be able to tell. They have been successful at lying so in a, such an extraordinarily orchestrated campaign with all these different participants mm -hmm. focused on different now they're trying to get the eu to relinquish its laws to protect consumers and the environment i i was going to say the countries that aren't included so the countries that still do regulate gmos the places like the uk um like europe no 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 no, no, no. let me say this yeah. we're talking about gene editing so they you oh. see they, they say or they say this okay Oh, um, gene editing is safe, precise, natural, and and um, no problems. Safe, yes, safe, natural, safe, yeah. safe, precise, uh, right. And that they, predictable, predictable. That's right. <laughs> thank you, Bing. Um, and they claim that it is, and they've like they convinced the UK uh, Parliament to pass a bill called precision breeding. Mm -hmm. Now, a hundred scientists wrote a letter saying it is neither precise nor breeding. Mm. Please change the name. It's yeah. a marketing thing. And they didn't. And they got it passed. Um, and Wales and Scotland don't want to have anything to do with it. But England may introduce these gene edited plants, put them in the food supply with no safety studies and no labeling. Um, so the excuse is, well, there's no genes transferred from other species. So it's not a GMO. Well, you know, the world, the Codex Alimentarius and all these international groups they define GMOs broader 
you go in there and you manipulate the genes, you cut it and you mm -hmm. reattach it and you delete or you add or you reorganize. It's gene editing. Mm -hmm. You don't need a foreign gene put in. It's still a GMO, yeah. but they claim that, oh, that's safe. And it's not. It was, it turns out that what they, the, as I mentioned earlier, nature described the outcome of three gene editing experiments on human embryos as chromosomal mayhem. Vast numbers, vast parts of the DNA, whole chromosomes disappeared or were, were um, rearranged. And that's what happens with the food. And that's what happens what we eat. And no one's testing mm -hmm. to see if that food can be dangerous to the level that they should be testing. So we may be ingesting this stuff. Yeah. And that's one reason why <clears throat> my recommendation is eat organic. It's not allowed. It doesn't allow the use of gene editing or Roundup. And when possible, also the, no, the non-GMO project with that little butterfly, they have three people working full time to try and figure out what's a GMO and what's not because it's not required to be listed. So if you see organic and non-GMO project verified together, that's the gold standard. If you have to choose one or the other, organic is better because hey, it doesn't have just, to spray. Just, I mean, this is probably the perfect time. I, I brought my bag of potatoes <laughs> um, right. because it says here, um, USDA organic. So anyone listening, I'm just holding up. So it says USDA organic and then non-GMO with a little butterfly, like you said. So would you say this is a safe bag of potatoes? It's, it's, here's the thing. You can't say that there's a hundred percent no contamination, mm. but it's a really good system and it's what I rely on. Cause it can, it can blow from field to field, right? Cause it's out yeah. there. So it can it blow, could get there can there. be yeah. human mistakes. There can be, mm you know, mix up. Now let's talk about the potatoes for a second. There are genetically engineered potatoes. Russet? Not Harpod Pustai's potatoes. Um, those were never commercialized. They were planning to be commercialized. Um, but there's russet potatoes and others that have been, there was originally some that were produced like in 1998 or 1999 and they were mm -hmm. taken off the market. They were, they were to kill insects. But there's a new potato that was introduced a few years ago that they introduced a gene that silences the gene in the potato that produces the protein that turns the potato brown when cut or bruised. And so you can slice the potato and it'll stay white or whatever the color is. Now, to give you an idea of how dangerous this is. The developer of the potato for the potato company, J.R. Simplot, who had previously worked on potatoes from Monsanto, wrote a book while he was in retirement that said, uh, Pandora's potato, the worst GMO. He had been doing some research on what could go wrong and realized that his potato could kill people, mm -hmm. cause disease and no one would know. And in a page after page after page, he wrote all these ways in which his own genetically engineered potato could be a disaster. One way is when you have a silencing sequence that goes and creates an equal and opposite, so it silences a gene, it can operate on humans. Right. So we eat the potato, we that could have a section game. of our genes yeah. silenced. 
And that's the thing that the, the testing that you were speaking of before is shoddy. No, it's, no, it's the, the, they have no idea. They ha- they haven't taken it that far. They don't know. You know, there's mistakes, and so they don't they don't know. And and when it says that GMO is a precise, predictable, safe, and natural, that's one example of how no, it is not predictable. You can't predict what's going to happen right. because they haven't tested it. They don't know what happens to the genes. They don't know if you know. They don't know the mechanism, like how it affects the person who eats it. They don't. They don't know. So it's not. And then, if you look at other examples of the potato, which I'll sell, mention quickly, that you don't really have enough information about how genes work together to be able to safely, yes. artificially change one and not know that we just haven't discovered how it might be important in activating another one or mm-hmm. how like the, the product that predict, creates browning, it's related to other things that are related to health yeah. and the potato. But also typically when you process potatoes, some get bruised and mold grows or fungus and you throw them out because they create mycotoxins. Mm-hmm. You can tell because of the bruise, because of the darkness. But with these potatoes, when they're processing, they can't tell. So you may be eating potatoes that have bruises and mycotoxins and, and other diseases, and you can't tell and you eat them. Right. So these are examples of some of the things he brought out in his book. Um, and it's one of the, it, it's out there now. And there's, mm-hmm. if you buy just the potato in the United States, uh, that's genetically engineered. It needs to be labeled bioengineered, which no one knows. They didn't want to put the word GMO because it's scared and they wanted to promote GMOs. Mm-hmm. But these are, may be sold as pre-sliced for um, French fries because yeah. they don't turn brown, right. or they may be sent to the not to the to the places like fast food to cut them. So it's a problem, and so you want to avoid the potatoes. Apples are the same way. You get pre-sliced apples on Amazon. They're probably this this um, apple that's you don't want to eat mm. because it's genetically engineered, which could possibly reprogram your DNA. There's papaya from Hawaii yeah. that also has a potential to reprogram. Um, I don't understand what, there's very few of the pink pineapples uh, so, sold online that are genetically engineered. Uh, I, uh, I, can a, I just, it's, I can't just say, um, so here in the supermarket here, they sell pink pineapple. And I was shopping yesterday and it's sliced in half so you can see the pink. And I was like, oh my God, like before I looked at it and I thought, well, that must be another kind of breed of pineapple. Um, but actually I look at it now and I'm just like, that is genetically modified. Like it's false. That pink color isn't natural. What was what was the company that was that um so so basically the supermarket they some they have some of their or, own or, no or it's or none or? of those um it's it's unmarked it's the okay. supermarket right. kind of marks its own so I'm not See, sure where it's sourced from I don't know if the pink pineapple that you're looking at is um Genuinely GMO pink? but the only one I, I think it probably is I mean the thing is they were selling it for like forty nine dollars online for one pink pineapple mm. but you know they were making it in Central America or something, so they probably could ship it to where you are very easily mm. and dump them all there. I wouldn't eat it. Um, and then there's zucchini, yellow squash, and then soy corn, cottonseed oil, canola oil, sugar yeah. from sugar beets, and yeah. alfalfa, which is mostly animal products. Now there's wheat that's genetically engineered and grown in Argentina. There's some eggplant from from Bangladesh. They're trying to grow uh, mustard in India. There was um, some rice that was grown in different places, but not necessarily commercialized, but it contaminated. Mm-hmm. So we've, cont- you know, mainly it's the 12, 
and only, only recently we have some wheat, but it's not necessarily the wheat that we see in North America. So are you but saying those are the main foods to look out for? When those are the GMO foods. Those are the GMO now, foods. But so if you're get organic to, whenever yeah. possible with those especially. Yeah. yeah, and if you can't eat organic, avoid the GMOs and then go to responsibletechnology.org and look at our database of glyphosate residues on food mm. so that you know, I already mentioned oats and beans and, and wheat. You can see them, the raw as well as the, the branded. And in almost every case, sometimes there's contamination, the organic has either no detectable or very little mm -hmm. glyphosate because um, it's not allowed to be used. However, there's glyphosate in the air and in the rain. So you'll find low levels of glyphosate even in organic products that had never had glyphosate treated, right. but it's there in the soil, it's in the rain. And you say that maize, soy, corn, um, wheat, these are the most, these are the GMO ingredients. Not Wheat's not GMO, uh, except in Argentina, and that was last year I for see. the first time. So okay. wheat's been hybridized through um, a number of ways, and it was exposed to, maybe even exposed to radiation in mm -hmm. order to change its structure, but it hasn't been genetically engineered in North America. Okay. And I right. don't know if any of the wheat that's that's eaten in Europe is genetically engineered, but the wheat that's exported from Argentina to Brazil and I think to Asia can be, and not all of it, just a small portion of it. But it's it's Roundup ready. It has Roundup in it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't eat it. So I mean, soy, corn, and maize—they're um, the main ingredients, well, but they're in, in everything. They're in all processed yeah, foods. Yeah, the soy and the corn der derivatives are—I mean, on our site we have a list of hidden ingredients, hidden yeah. GMOs. And it's everything you'd find in every processed food that we all have in our cupboards right now. I, like, I, I have to say it's not everything because you can navigate around. You can look okay. at the list. Right. It's way easier to look for the butterfly the, because they, they are very mm -hmm. careful, the non-GMO project, so that there's no ingredients that are genetically engineered, even these things that you can't pronounce. Mm -hmm. And you want to avoid those that are high in glyphosate. Um, I mean, you could look at things like citric acid and cellulose and, and um, the different corn sweeteners and whatnot, and you can learn that list. Mm. It's just easier to eat organic, and then if you can't, do those two things. Avoid the high glyphosate and avoid the GMOs. For, for the people who are kind of, they, they like to know exactly what's happening, they like to kind of, you know, the science-minded people out there, um, what is genetic modification like? what is what is actually happening there how is a gene edited for example like you mentioned CRISPR before so what is it okay so <clears throat> we have a six minute animation called seven reasons why gene editing is dangerous mm. and unpredictable and what happens is this is explained with little animation things but I'll, I'll do it with my fingers yeah. um, there's a, a molecule that's like a, um, a cutter like a scissors mm -hmm. there's a set that's like a, a a guide and it's you insert this into a cell um as is or you insert the dna to produce these things and then you have given the guide a specific sequence and the guide attaches to the scissors and says okay find this sequence on the dna mm -hmm. great found it cut so it cuts now you may also have a template because what happens when it cuts the 
the cell freaks out and says, emergency, SWAT team, send over the troops. And they, they reattach it. Hmm. And they'll take any DNA in the area. They'll restructure DNA that appears to be missing. So sometimes you'll get DNA that's in the Petri dish from another animal or DNA from the um, bacteria that was used to insert the CRISPR. So you can end up with all sorts of interspecies uh, DNA sequences there. The process of reattachment can also cause deletions, mm -hmm. additions, rearrangements, shattering mm -hmm. of the chromosome, elimination of the chromosome. It's pretty haphazard. You can't predict, you can't direct how the cell is going to reconnect. Which is That's why where, it's not precise, like they exactly, say. You can be, it's not if precise. You, right, right. You can, and the thing is, it's not even precise where it cuts. It can cut <laughs> in 25 or 50 other places. It's now, they keep saying, we're making it more precise, we're making it more precise, we're making it more precise. But you lose the ability to have an effect once you make the cut, because then you're turning it over to a system that is, by its nature, unpredictable. Mm. So the best you can do is still unpredictable. So we describe this in the film, and you can end up with inheritable changes in the DNA, inheritable changes in the epigenetic effects that, that, that tell the DNA how much to express. You can have, they can go on generation after generation. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable how many dangers there are. And I follow the research, obviously, and every month or so, there's more evidence of just how dangerous and unpredictable it is. And yet the biotech industry says it's safe, predictable, precise, and, and, and natural. They call it natural because they took the CRISPR uh, material from bacteria that were using it to cut out viruses and protect themselves. So now that they're applying it in a new way, it's not a natural system the way they're applying it. Mm -hmm. It's totally artificial, making changes that would never occur naturally or would rarely occur naturally. And there's all sorts of side effects that are a result of the process that wouldn't necessarily occur under natural conditions. Right. So that's part of the disinformation. And so it goes without saying that if you then ingest a food that's been affected, that's been edited and been modified, then um, we actually have no idea exactly what it does to our cells and to our microbiome. And hence why, um, you know, it, disease there's such a strong correlation between disease and the rate of gmos um could they be linked i mean like you said it's it's yeah. probable <laughs> like that's so, what to be, to be clear there, we, there are some gene edited foods that we know are on the market mm. they don't have to tell us so there's probably some that are that are on the market that we don't know most of the gmos that have been on the market to this point we do know about and i've named them mm. and those were not created from gene editing but the a salad from conscious foods there's a um, some oils from another one um, and now there's the in canada they just passed a law that you can gene edit and introduce foods into their food supply mm -hmm. without telling anyone and we import our agricultural products our two main imports into the united states are from mexico and canada mm -hmm. so potatoes and other things could be gene edited and we wouldn't know um, but the the issue is that we want to reverse this to force the regulators to look at the science. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing as an institute is realizing, okay, we've lost in all these countries and there's different groups. I'm the, I, I, we created the film for everyone to use, 
but the people in the UK lost, the people in the EU are fighting it, the people in Japan lost, and it's been a disaster. So what we've decided to do was to focus on the most dangerous mm -hmm. GMOs, which are microbes. And that's why I created the film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. Yeah. And I'm recruiting support from movements whose success depends on healthy microbes and microbiomes. So healthcare practitioners like nutritionists and functional medicine docs and whatnot, they realize the microbiome is sacrosanct and mm -hmm. incredibly brilliant and works. We've outsourced up to 80% of our metabolic and chemical functions to the microbiome. We can get away with a measly 23,000 genes in our cells, less than earthworms, because we <clears throat> use the 3.5 million genes mm. that are found in the microbiome. What they do in terms of protecting health is amazing. Yes. And yet about 80% of human diseases are related to changes in the microbiome. So the healthcare practitioners know this. So we have mm -hmm. a program for healthcare pr pr practitioners. They make a donation to us. Mm -hmm. We're just launching this now. And they receive all this curated information for their own education and their patients, but they can be an engine to run the financial basis of creating these new laws and treaties, which we need to do to protect the microbiome. Then there's regenerative agriculture. They rely on the microbes to do the heavy lifting to create the healthy crops. Then there's climate change. They need the microbes in the soil to draw down the carbon, which is absolutely, you know, in danger. Then there's, you know, just general environmentalists protecting the earth. And then there's the ocean protectors that may realize that actually the lungs of the planet are not the rainforest. They're the algae, which mm -hmm. produces most of the earth's oxygen. Yeah. Now they're genetically engineering algae. What if that changes the photosynthetic properties, reduces the amount of, of oxygen being produced and becomes the dominant species? Yeah. We could starve the oxygen. Then there's, so all of these different groups don't realize how much of what they're hold as sacred is under threat. Because when you release a genetically engineered microbe, as we know, they can travel and mutate. We all mm -hmm. learned that from COVID, but we don't really know most people, that microbes swap genes. Mm. So you put a genetically engineered gene into a bacterium and it multiplies into quadrillions and it moves. And now that back, that changed gene may end up in a thousand other types of bacteria or fungus or algae because that's how microbiomes work and interact. They go to big swap meets and change genes around. Yeah. And so a high school student that genetically engineers something as an experiment with all the, with 120,000 CRISPR target sequences available in one website and 10,000 microbes available in another. And if that's not enough, they can pick up microbes off of their own bodies or their, their lawns or their, their ponds near their house, and they can design their own sequences. So now there's all sorts of different uh, potential combinations. They release a microbe that might survive then it travels around the planet, spreading its wealth into all these other microbiomes that's unrecallable. And now you're affecting the microbiomes in the atmosphere, in the human body, in the soil. And, and now you multiply that by millions of types of GM microbes just from the high school students alone. Now we talk about the ones that are being released in mass, like soil microbes. You need, to, you need to make sure your soil microbes that are released in, 
you know, 5 trillion per acre, you want to make sure they survive. So maybe as their survival mechanism, they create antimicrobial properties that kill off the competitors and antibiotic resistant properties that keep them, keep them alive, even from the stuff they, they produce. Now, what happens if you touch the soil and you touch your mouth and that genetic cassette that has the antimicrobials and the antibiotic resistance gets into you? And let's say it picks up a pathogen that's perfectly fine, imbalance with everything in the microbiome, and now you've equipped it with the ability to kill off other microbes and to not die from antibiotics, and it starts to grow. Mm -hmm. Now you've completely rearranged the population of the gut microbiome accidentally by creating something that survives in the soil. So, and it, it can get worse because if you think about synthetic biology, they use genetically engineered bacteria, fungus, or algae to produce specific proteins. They can use it to produce medicines, CBD, opioids. So let's say you take genetically engineered bacteria to produce an opioid, and then you give the opioid as a medicine. Now that bacteria escapes, and we consume it, and the gene that produces the opioid transfers to our gut bacteria. Mm -hmm and continues to function. Now we're producing opioids 24 seven inside our own gut or industrial enzymes or flavorings or any of the other things that they're producing through synthetic biology. Yeah, so risks, yeah. essentially yeah. what I'm saying is so outrageous and yes. yet scientifically validated. I mean, I remember like people are saying, well, is this really true? I talked to a very good microbiologist. I, I, I was introduced to him because he told a friend of mine he wasn't concerned about the release of genetically engineered microbes, thinking they would just, you know, the, the traits would just disappear over time. Within an hour, he completely changed his tune and said he's against the release of any genetically engineered microbe. Because he realized, he said, I hadn't been thinking about this before. We asked a microbiologist who's on our staff to contact five of his friends in the field. They all said, I haven't been thinking about this before. But when you think about it and you realize, the nature of microbiology, the nature of microbiomes, the nature of genetic engineering, the nature of gene swapping, and the importance of microbes for the micro Jedi army that supports all of us, mm -hmm. this is not something we should be playing with. Mm -hmm. So the Institute for Responsible Technology at responsibletechnology.org, we decided to handle the gene editing first with these kingdoms and to create a movement of movements so that all of these different groups and individuals that need the microbiome to fulfill their success get on board. We popularize our message, develop the science and popularize the message in popular culture, and then focus all that energy on creating new regulations, laws, and treaties so that we protect the microbiome and in the process realize, oh my God, Humans can redirect the streams of evolution for all time, as I mentioned, damage things forever. We need to rethink not just microbes, but insects mm -hmm. and trees and grasses and animals. And oh my God, we have reached the time where this technology can damage everything we know and replace nature. So we need to protect nature. Mm -hmm. And this becomes the mantra of enough people 
that it creates that shift in collective consciousness, which we've seen over and over again, because consciousness is neither linear or local. There's a shared energy mm -hmm. that sort of gets amplified through social media as a way of making this shift where we get to go, oh my God, that's obvious. Right now it's not known. It will get to the point where it's obvious and then it'll implement the laws. We need enough people to know this so that it becomes obvious. And that's why I encourage everyone to go to responsibletechnology.org, watch Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle, invest 16 minutes, watch Seven Reasons Why Gene Editing is Dangerous and Unpredictable. That's six minutes of your time. Sign up for the newsletter, share it on social, and support us financially with a repeat. We have a, a, self, a self care advocate program now which we're just rolling out so that we've curated 20 years of our work to make it easier for you to know what the dangers are from GMO 1.0 and the dangers of this GMO 2.0. So we are, you know, I, I've had this institute running for 20 years on fumes because we can get by with just a little bit of money if we're focusing on consumer education. But now we have to change laws and create treaties. The, the, the budget is way bigger many, many times bigger than what we've had in the past, and we don't have it yet. Right. So in order for us to succeed, we need to create a team. So I'm like right. recruiting now to yes. join the team to be part of that, which first microbiome whisperers, they've been supporting us, time to support them. Mm -hmm. And then nature whisperers, we need to protect nature now. Yeah, love it. Um, I need all of those details for the for the show notes and okay. um, anything else that you need to add. Um, I'd, I'd like yeah, obviously I'd be so happy to support, and I think anyone else would either. Um, anyone listening would love to jump on board because it's so important. And and the reason why it's so important, if anyone watches the video, um, don't let the gene out of the bottle. Um, there's this really scary graphic. Um, with, it's a triangle. It's like a black triangle, and at the bottom is bacteria then it's uh, plants, then as you go up, it's um, animals, and then at the top, it's humans. So um, basically, what it's saying is the ethical issues get worse as you go up the triangle. So bacteria, it's not the ethics aren't too bad. Um, then it goes on to plants, yeah, this, the ethics aren't as, as bad. And then animals, yes, it gets a bit more ethically, you know, the issues are worse. And then humans, which um, I believe there has been some um, genetic modification of a of a human's embryo um yeah. the, the ethical issues get worse but on the flip side of the triangle as you go down the danger to the planet gets worse and worse and worse and at the bottom is bacteria which is basically what you've just been discussing how yeah. um if we start to impact the bacteria and it gets out there and it's uncontrollable it could destroy the planet and um, algae and viruses and fungi and basically the whole king right. all the kingdoms yeah yeah and so we're right at that point where that could pos that is a real possibility if not already making its way out there so that's why what you're doing is so so important um so, I mean, in, in, I suppose it's the natural place then to um, kind of ask, you know, what is the, for you, what is the future of GMOs? And um, again, like you've already described how we can help, but um, what is the future? What should we do? Like, tell us what to do all in right. this situation. Yeah. First of all, protect yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. Eat organic. Watch secret ingredients if you haven't, because what happens is you may be convinced, but you know, are you going to convince your parents or your siblings or mm. your or, or your spouse? 
people say that that's the most effective convincing tool. So you can use that, that film for that just to get on board. I think the future is that we all need to, now that we can destroy biological evolution as we know it and have an unprecedented capacity where even a high school student could accidentally infect and affect all living beings and all future generations just inadvertently causing catastrophes or cataclysms. It's like a wake up call like no other. Mm, and what it does is it invites a new relationship with nature. Mm. It's kind of like a prognosis you get when you're sick that's so bad it causes you to reevaluate your life, your belief, your relationships, your lifestyle, and that becomes a blessing. Mm. And your life becomes so much better afterwards, but you need that alarm. This is like the alarm. Yeah. And I'm, my hope is that it's that the impact that we have as a movement and that I'm inviting everyone to join is not just limited to genetic engineering. Because as we realize that we now have the capacity to destroy or damage all living beings and all future generations, we now need to protect all living beings and all future generations, which means our relationship with it is fundamentally changed. Our self-definition is fundamentally changed. How we act in the world, how we, the, the, even the, the size of our aperture of awareness spreads out to more of the planet and more of the future. So this is a, a wake-up call to our consciousness and our relationship with the world that I want to see with the, hit the critical mass so that we then realize, oh, yes, we need to have this protective stewarding relationship in all ways because now our, our footprint is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Our technology is so massive. We need to make decisions as a civilization, as a race, and not let Monsanto make the irre irreversible decisions for all living beings and all future generations. So I see this as a pivot point for something glorious. Right. And so I think that there is a, I mean, even the pandemic, the timing is beneficial to this because now the world realizes the danger. They get it. Are, yeah. yeah, they get it. It's like, okay. Yeah. And they're just calling for lack of gain of stopping gain of function, but they're just missing the fact that biology is more holistic and they need to stop all manipulations of microbes and then realize, wait a minute, what about other species? Shouldn't we be concerned about that? It's just a slow motion catastrophe working itself out if we start changing the gene pool in ways that's unpredictable and prone to side effects, little biological time bombs. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is ultimately the kind of prognosis that can be a blessing for humanity. Mm -hmm. And just like the person wakes up and their whole life is different and their activities are different and their beliefs are different, I think that's what's going to happen here because mm -hmm. it has to. So it's fixable. Yes. We can fix this. Absolutely. We can do this. Yeah. And and to 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 join and to get involved. Um, would you say that I are the the responsible technology.org website is the best place to, yeah. to go? Um because there's a get involved tab. Um there's loads yeah, of ways involved. to you know, basically sharing your email with us gives us the ability to tell you what's next, mm. what to look out for, what thing to sign whether there's an opportunity to contact your elected official, um, 
you receive things that you can share on social, mm -hmm. which is super important. And then there's people that want to put more and there will <clears throat> introduce the healthcare practitioner program, mm -hmm. the self-care advocacy program. We'll have a program for different companies. We'll have a program for the regenerative agriculture um, movement, the, you know, the climate change movement, the environmental movement, the oceans movement, the natural products industry. There are spiritual and religious groups that think GMO means God move over. If we have the money, if we can have the money, we will have liaisons working with the champions of all of those movements so that we can have a movement of movements with millions of people focusing on this need. The climate change people don't have to change what they're looking for. They just have to say, oh, by the way, we need to protect the soil microbes. Otherwise, we're screwed. Right. You know, same with all these other groups. They can keep with their the planks of their platform. Just add this one. Mm. So we're going to share all that as we have the staff and we have a very small staff as we have the staff and volunteers to create this we will be in touch with new and more opportunities speaker training activist training working groups you know opportunity for writers for influencers etc all that's coming as we raise the money and have a bigger footprint and we'd like everyone to be part of all of it raising the money and being part of that bigger footprint Sounds good. And just last question, any more books under your belt on the way? Or I have a book coming. I have a book coming. Yes. Um, and it's, it'll talk about GMOs, but it's actually giving lessons that I've learned along the way, some things I've never talked about, mm. uh, helping people step up into the highest version of themselves. Love it. That's coming out soon. It's like, um, I'm entering a new phase, I'm going to mm. be 65 this year, 20 years with GMOs in the book. And it's like, there's something else that needs to be said. Yes. You've gotten a taste of what I'm talking about in terms of collective consciousness. We'll leave it there yes. and say there's more to it and it'll be exciting. And in fact, um, if you sign up to be seek to the secretingredientsfilm.com to watch that, you'll be on a different list and I'll be announcing my book there too. Lovely. I like the sound of that genre. I like that. A little teaser that I'm already yeah. intrigued. Yeah. Um, well, that, that wraps everything up. And I, I couldn't say, like, I, I couldn't um, be happier with um, the message and how you um, put it across so eloquently. You can see that you've done over, I think it's over a thousand, over a thousand in, lectures. That was going to be part of views and a thousand lectures. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was going to be part of my accolades at the beginning. <laughs> so <laughs> thousand lectures, thousand I'm... interviews. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyway i just wanted to say once again and um, what a fabulous and um, thank fabulous topic thank you so much and i'm i'm really um committed to to helping and anybody who's listening and watching please get involved like this is you know the, the sake of our kind of planet is is on the line so thank you so much for um all the work that you're doing and for just um giving this time to to teach us everything you know so thank you so My much pleasure tomorrow thank you so much I'm Tamara Walpole, and you've been listening to Your Body's Way. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. You can find me on Instagram as Tamara Walpole Nutrition. Join me next time for some more juicy information on how to help you on your journey to your best self yet. Your Body's Way is the only way. Chat soon.